Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to an August 24th Thursday night edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson writer at many places, and your host of Lockdown Blazers. And today I'm joined by a buddy of mine, Blazer fan, contributor occasionally at Real GM, my buddy Haven Kaplan-Liner from our days back in DJ Food Stamps class uh, back at the U of O, uh, here to talk some Blazers and some NBA summer. The 2K18 all-time team came out today, and that was uh, not that big of a hit. Uh, but and we also have a little bonus for you later from the CJ McCollum event today. A sh- very short snippet from the CJ McCollum event today. But Haven, welcome to the show. I know I've been saying that I'm going to get you on the show, but now you're finally on the show. Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, hopefully, we can bring all the quote unquote fire content that you have been missing with, you know, August being a uh, little bit of a slow time for the NBA. Yeah, slow time for the NBA, and then they had the blockbuster of the summer happen like yesterday or two days ago or whatever it was. What did you think about that trade with Kyrie? I know we we talked about it, we texted about it, but I think you said it was a, kind of a swing move for 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 the Celtics. Like they're actually you know they're they're trying something. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit, but my big thing was people were kind of trashing the Celtics on it and. I understand that in the term of if you think that the Nets are going to be the worst team in the NBA, I personally don't. Um, But if you look at it from the Celtics' perspective, they might have lost Isaiah Thomas. They weren't sure about paying him. Um, They have this pick that they aren't sure necessarily is going to be great. And you have Jay Crowder, who was not particularly happy this summer, has been complaining more than anybody else, publicly talked about how he didn't really like Gordon Hayward being recruited, uh, so you might you might have an unhappy version of him. Isaiah is probably not going to be happy that you've been trade shopping him a little bit anyway. So you take two guys who you're going to have to overpay a little bit eventually, and you swing them for one of the seven, eight best uh, point guards in the NBA, um, and a guy who is potentially one of like the five most talented players, uh, which is an incredible opportunity. And if you're the Celtics, you've been waste you've been getting all of these assets and for this opportunity. I know that, you know, Jimmy Butler is a little bit better than Kyrie. Paul George is a bit better than Kyrie. Uh, you have all these other guys, but this is this is clearly the guy they wanted. They had other ideas for small forward. They clearly had a decision uh, with the draft for getting Jason Tatum over Markel Fultz. They clearly felt more confident about Tatum. 
So they already had their guy. They didn't need to get Fultz and then eventually trade for Kyrie and then be stuck. They decided to go with Fultz and then work on point guard after. And I think it is a great trade for the Celtics and for the the Cavs. It's the best trade they could have got. But, uh, you know, if you give it a couple more minutes and you look next season and you have LeBron gone, IT gone, uh, and then the Nets end up with the 10th or 11th pick, uh, which is my kind of opinion on it, um, then it looks, doesn't look very good. It really does not. So it's a, it's a volatile move for the Cavs, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think another way that they could go too is that, you know, obviously they're going to try for, with LeBron this year. But, like, you know, maybe they get a good player with that Nets pick. I, you know, I think the Nets might not be that bad either, but they're like one injury away from being a top three, you know, having a top three pick again, top five pick, because they're like, they're just like Jeremy Lin, you know, wasn't healthy at all last year and that lost them a bunch of games. And then, you know, if Crab goes down or if D'Angelo goes down, like, what do they do? And they're bigs, you know, Mozgov's okay when he's healthy, but he's not like, yeah, I don't. I'm not counting on Mozgov. Uh, no, he's okay. Whole... He's okay. I mean, he's okay when he's healthy. But yeah. but like, but I I agree with you. It's a little. It's not as certain as it was last year that they were going to be really bad. But they will still. It, it's still a good asset for Cleveland to haul, and probably the best thing they could have oh, gotten uh, out there with with, with the Kyrie trade. Uh, and I think you know if they lose. I've talked about this already on the podcast, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. But, you know, if things don't work out, they don't win, LeBron leaves, all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera, you know, then you say, okay, well, maybe we flip Kevin Love and then we tank for a year and we have build around whoever the young guy is that they draft and then try and tank for the 2019 draft. I don't even know which guys are coming out then, but RJ Barrett, who might be at the University of Oregon, just throwing it out there. That's right, RJ Barrett. And RJ Barrett's the truth. Oh, yeah. uh, like a lot of people love, I mean, he has a, come a to Oregon. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Come to Oregon, RJ Barrett. Uh, but, uh, so, so they could tank, they could trade love bottom out completely because they have to keep their pick because if they fall out of the top 10, their pick goes to Atlanta because that 2019 pick was originally going to go to Portland. But then when they traded for Kyle Corver, they moved up the obligation to this year for the Portland pick. And then, made the 2019 pick go to Atlanta for Corver. So they have an option to tank and stuff too as well after everything if LeBron doesn't. They have a pretty clear, you know, rebuild option if if LeBron decides to leave. That's that's why I like it. I think it makes sense. I mean, you know, obviously we won't talk about this that much longer, but uh if you are Cleveland and you know that Kyrie wants to go, you know he and LeBron aren't particularly happy, which by the way I think is kind of a little overblown. But if you know that, you go get a guy who can help you this year in the finals. You know you're making the finals. Sorry, Boston. But yeah, like, yeah, I'm with you, you, you get another guy who will be able to replace 100% of those scoring. I mean, maybe 80 if, if he decides to drop down a little bit. But then you get Jay Crowder, who's going to make it a lot easier for you to play defense in the finals. So that, you know, this year when you go, you play five games a little bit closer than last year, you're probably not getting to six, but we'll see, you know. Yeah, I mean, the, I, I think Crowder helps them immensely on the defensive end. I know a lot of people have talked about 
uh, that his defensive numbers weren't as good last year, that over his career, like last year may have been a little bit of an outlier for him shooting the three, he shot like 40% or something. But I think... Yeah, I think 39. That yeah, but I, it's like 39.8 or something. I, I usually yeah, round up. I usually round up. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's a great trade for both teams. I think it just worked out well for both of them. Uh, and... I'm really glad that we're, I'm having you on for this episode because I'm excited for this episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, by the way, uh, with a lot of podcasts for you to check out. But I'm happy to have you on, Haven, for this episode because we're going to talk about this terrible NBA 2K roster that they released for the all-time teams. They were really some really bad all-time teams, i got to say uh overall uh and there are reasons for that but we're gonna uh, uh, there are reasons why but it doesn't matter we're just gonna talk because of reasons aside we're gonna draft the the all-time team that we actually think should be the all-time team for the portland trailblazers uh that should be the team on 2k you know player rights issues aside so are you are you excited to, to to talk about some some blazers past and present absolutely hell yeah absolutely so um just for reference before we get into our teams nba 2k released their all-time teams today for all the franchises uh and these were the guys that made the portland roster damian lillard starting point guard clyde drexler at the two jerome kersey at the three lamarcus aldridge at the four and bill walton at center off the bench, you got Arvidas Sabonis, Terry Porter, Kiki Vandeweghe, Kevin Duckworth, Rod Strickland, C.J. McCollum, J.R. Ryder, Nicholas Batum, and Wesley Matthews round out the NBA 2K18 all-time Blazers roster, according to the folks at NBA 2K. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of really questionable choices there. Yeah, um, to, the first thing uh, is CJ McCollum is terrific. He's a great player. He has, I think, one of the top 15 scoring averages in terms of like single season on in Blazer history. But he's been a starter for two seasons. Um, you have Nicholas Batum on there, who I think you're a little higher on than I am. I, I liked Batum, but his career numbers on the Blazers were 11-5-3 on kind of average to below average shooting. Uh, I'm not really excited about putting him on that team. Wes Matthews, he, you know, he's the Iron Man. He's very, very popular. I don't know if I'm putting him on there above some of the Blazer greats. And obviously, we're going to talk about this with the licensing issue, but the guys that they didn't put on here, uh, it just doesn't make sense. They clearly ignored guys who would qualify, who are significantly better, and they put them on other teams. Uh, Buck Williams, w- one of three Blazers ever to play 10 seasons, uh, is on the Nets team, the all-time team, and he's not on the Blazer team. Which is absurd. Buck, <laughs> it's insane. Like, the arrival of Buck Williams was what like catalyzed those like 90 teams, those like, late 80s, early 90s teams where buck williams showed up and then all of a sudden they took off like that was the big thing for them and yeah that's pretty ridiculous that buck williams didn't get on the blazers roster he's a guy that i had on there i guess spoiler alert 
uh, <laughs> for the guys that I have on there. I guess you know you kind of brought me around on the Kiki Vandaway. Uh, yeah, yeah, he he was a lot better, I think, than I probably gave him credit for. So I, I probably keep him in there now. Uh, I've I, I flipped on that, but I I think I think Batum has a better case, just because I, I'm I, I make get... that case, make make that okay, case very okay. quickly. He didn't really get a chance to do a lot with Nate McMillan, who was the coach for the majority of his Blazers tenure. He was in the, he was in Portland for seven seasons, and only three of them were with Terry Stotts. Actually, yeah, three of them were with Terry Stotts. No, two of them were with Terry Stotts only. I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it's no, three. three, 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 three. Yeah, sorry, three. Gotta be at least three. So he had three with Terry Stotts, and Terry Stotts was like the first guy to like let him run a pick and roll in a game. Like very true, and so like to to me like Batum's talent and like what he showed, also dude like the guy's like amazing international player like has been de- like, and and when he when he got a chance he was part of two fifty win teams, and was a borderline all star the year before during Dame's rookie year like he he was really good, I, so, so I, ex- except for that third year where he couldn't make any shots, yeah that that little tiny year. Um, and that the last whole, year he was on the Blazers. That one, that one whole, yeah. that one whole yeah. season. Yes, that, the entire season where he <laughs> averaged, what was it, like, was eight, it, six, and four or something like that? He was trying to get triple doubles every night, and he forgot how to shoot a basketball. That was one of the, um, I, I was, like, that was, like, it was, like, Chuck Knobloch, like, <laughs> like fielding the ball. That is so, that's a great, that's a great analogy. Um, so, I agree with that, and Nate McMillan, uh, it, uh, the frustration I have for Nate McMillan can only be matched by Ernie Kent. But um, for those of you who don't know who Ernie Kent is, good. Because you missed out on a lot of bad Oregon Duck basketball. A lot of good basketball, but, though. Kind of. Well, they made, they made the but, Elite Eight, you know, twice, I think. That's a whole – that's for another t- That's podcast. a different podcast. This is not Locked on Ducks. Yeah, this is not Locked on Ducks. But uh, so the same case could be made for Rudy Fernandez because – no. Absolutely she, not. That is that. Got, is, no, no. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So no, Rudy Fernandez, no. When he was given the opportunity under Nate McMillan, play, to play a little bit of point guard, which happened like five total times, the Blazers were had never been better. Him and Brandon Roy playing together was magical. I I swear those two could have been the point guard and shooting guard for a decade on like finals bound Blazer teams. No, and it never happened because they would not give him the ball they him and him and uh, batum just were told to hang out on the corner and shoot threes rudy is not that guy he can shoot but he was not trying to be that guy and it is frustrating to me to hear you denigrate his name <laughs> um so you know i think that you can talk about all his potential but rudy had the same potential he could have been doing incredible things okay but the difference between rudy and batum is that batum eventually produced for the blazers in a way that was tangible and was like what he was the third best player on a playoff team like and the the first team that won a playoff series in 14 years as that you know you have that uh did batum go to the dunk contest and put down a a terrific dunk no he did not he did he did not get robbed in the dunk contest and 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 listen and rudy Rudy, i agree with you that rudy his potential was squandered during those years and his poor like if they had had a creative offensive coach who like anywhere like you know stotts is obviously one of the best offensive coaches in the league but 
you know, if they had had any creativity offensively, you know, maybe he has a different situation. Maybe it's a different situation, but, uh, you know, I, I, I do feel like Batum eventually made good on the potential though. Like it was, I don't know. He, he, he's in there for me as, as like a, he's borderline. Like I, I think I'm probably wavering now. I probably going to put Kiki Vandaway ahead of him just because Kiki Vandaway was a good, like probably the best player on a couple of Blazers playoff teams. Statistically, he's one of the best Blazers of all time. And we never talk about him because he was just kind of in this forgotten era. Like you had the seventies with Walton and then you had the late, late eighties with Drexler uh, going into the nineties. And then you had the other teams, but Vandaway was on these teams that were just decent. Like they would play, they'd make the playoffs every year. He was solid um, I mean, he was on those late 80s teams with Drexler, but he wasn't the flashy guy. He wasn't the guy who was winning dunk contests. Okay, can you hear that, by the way? Not anymore. Okay. Um, I need to mess up that real quick. So. Okay, okay, all right. You should pause real quick. Hold okay. on. Okay, it's a break in the action. Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. So we got a, we got a Roomba. And I, when I got home today, I realized it was like not actually fully in the correct spot. And I tried to put it back on, but I didn't know how to do it. And it was just repeatedly saying, please charge Roomba. And I couldn't tell what that noise was for the first few times I did it. This break has been brought to you by Roomba. <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. Ro- Roomba, if you're listening, uh, give us some ads. We'll take it. Uh, but anyway, a- after the break, we were talking about Kiki and Batum. And I, the, the point you bring up is important because I, I am not one of these folks that, and probably, you know, you're not either, where... Uh, well, I, I don't want to answer for you, but like, I appreciate the teams that were good and maybe didn't win a championship and they were just consistently good for a few years. Like, I feel like that is valuable. That's important. And because of that, you've convinced me to not kick Kiki off the team. Oh, oh that's so kind of you to not I, kick I, a I laser know. legend. I, yeah, exactly. I know, I know that Kiki is listening over in the league office right now. Uh, anyway. Uh, so I, but I think Batum, Batum has a borderline case in my opinion. Like he, Matthews to me, not like Matthews probably actually produced more when he was in Portland, but I think for the needs of the team, like how many guards they have and stuff like that. I'm also, I also picked based on need there for Batum. Like that was my outside of Kiki. I was kind of caught between Batum and, uh, well, we don't want to give it away. We don't yeah, want to. Yeah, give we it don't away. want to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so, okay, which guys are you kicking off the team uh, from the two K team? So immediately, <laughs> uh, kicking off JR Ryder. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. specifically to a couple people I know who are listening. Uh, Nick Batum, Wes Matthews, Rod Strickland, uh, Zebo, and Kevin Duckworth immediately yeah i mean but yeah those were those to me were like i couldn't even really make a case that they would be close to uh a top 15 
And I'm not even sure that's 15. Is that 15? Yeah, I think it's a 15-man roster, what they what they have. And that's what I have. Okay, yeah. That's what that's what I wrote down. I wrote a 15-man roster of like the guys that I'm that I actually think I I have Duckworth in there. Uh so I mean I'll say so I I kept Duckworth and I kept um I actually Duckworth is the only guy Duckworth and Kiki are the guys that I kept in there. Uh, but so I kicked out Strickland. I'm with you. Zebo, I'm with you. CJ, I'm with you. Jr. Ryder, I'm with you. Batum and Matthews, I am now with you on the Batum front. Uh, and yeah, I mean, there's so many great players. Obviously, uh, there there's some pretty big omissions there. Do you want to talk about the guys that you think should replace those? I mean, I, we I'll just think the three that we definitely agree on are Maurice Lucas. Brandon Roy and Rasheed Wallace. Those are those are like unassailable it, it, guys. It's not even a question. Uh, Maurice Lucas is the one that I don't understand more than anybody else. So Rasheed Wallace is notably absent from all teams because he hasn't licensed them. Uh, we're not clear on Brandon Roy, but probably um, he's probably along the same boat. But Maurice Lucas uh, passed almost I want to say five years ago, and. There's no way that he didn't he wasn't already in the retired association. So um, I'm not really clear on why he wouldn't be on the team, let alone in the game. Uh, and so yeah, to me that one's just insane. He's one of the five greatest Blazers of all time, in my opinion. So I just I don't understand how he's not on the team. No, that's a I mean the Maurice Lucas thing, and I, I'm with you because B Roy and Rashid, okay, like they haven't been retired that long, but. No. She should still be playing in the NBA. So should Roy. R.I.P. Roy's knees. Uh, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Roy's knees, indeed. Um, but yeah, th- those two guys, like, it makes sense that they're maybe not like part of the retired players association or whatever. And and things that I've heard about Brandon Roy, like that he might not be like ready to like reflect yet. Like I think it still might be a little from like I've heard that it might be a little too painful. Maybe still. Um. And plus, he's doing a bunch of great stuff in Seattle uh, and busy with that. But, uh, yeah, she'd be Roy. But Lucas, you're like, yeah, that, I mean, that's like a major oversight there because um, he was the heart and soul of that team and was, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of personality and also just like what he did, it was. I mean, he's amazing. Uh, I, I agree with you on the Maurice Lucas front. Who else do you have? on the list there that that was not included yeah so there's only three other spots um and three i have uh is the original superstar blazer jeff petrie um the inaugural rookie of the year winner for the blazers um their his first season i have sydney wicks also blazer legend guy averaged over 20 points for straight seasons um including a ridiculous 25 as a rookie um, his numbers, by the way, are 25, 11, and four that season. Yeah, that's, well, the, I mean, the 70, that's insane. The 70, but, this, all the 70s numbers, I got, I'm just going to say that it, they're inflated because nobody played any defense. And absolutely, just like today. Okay, that's just fa- that like is today. that is patently false. And <laughs> the nobody played any defense and they played with an insane pace. Like it was just like, like they it was like seven seconds or less before seven seconds or less. Like they were just all like, but there was no like, you know, like. It wasn't like today where everyone's shooting threes. Like it was more yeah. like layups and stuff. Like, but anyway. and that's and that's totally fair. Um, I just wanted to go through and see like the impactful Blazers when I was doing a little research. 
Um, but the other guy who weirdly wasn't mentioned, um, but is also once again on another team um, in this is Damon Stoudemire. Is he on the Toronto team? He's on the Toronto team. That's ridiculous. He, he, you know, he has the same case that Jeff Petrie has where he was the inaugural rookie of the year for that team. And yet he isn't listed as a blazer. The, the guy spent the majority of his career as a blazer. Um, and it, it just doesn't make any sense that he wouldn't be listed. He's a blazer legend, in my opinion. He's from the Northwest. He's from Portland specifically. Um, you know, he, he never developed into the all-star that we kind of thought he would, but he was still very solid on some of the best blazer teams of all time. Um, and he played eight seasons in Portland. Like, I don't know how you really top that. He also, at one point, I don't know if he still does. He held the record for most three point attempts in a game. And that was an amazing game. Well, and until this past season, he also had the franchise record for points in a game. He had 54 points in a game. Uh, I was at so another in one of, I mean, I'm sure I was talking about it today with, you know, in like a, in like a group chat talking about this 2k thing. I was talking about it with you and like, I mean, I agree with you with Damon, like Damon's probably, I think he's the most underrated blazer of all time. Cause I feel like everyone recognizes Brandon Roy's contributions to the franchise. I feel like Stoudemire gets criminally forgot, just gets forgotten a lot. Because I think of all the things that you mentioned. I mean, he wasn't even mentioned on this team. And he was the starting point guard. He, on a team that went to the conference finals twice. Like, I mean, he he did a lot. Um, and, and I think, yeah, was a really great player and I think, uh, deserves some more love. So shout out to Damon Sotomayor. He has a similar thing with, uh, with Kiki where he was, he wasn't on a forgotten team. He was on one of the most well-known blazer teams, but he was between Terry Porter, who at one point was the unassailable best point guard in blazer history and the actual best point guard in blazer history who we currently have Damian Lillard. So you have this other guy who was not as good as those two, but he was very, very good um, and for a very long time on that team. And he just he doesn't get recognized at all. Yeah. Shout out to Mighty Mouse. I have him on my team as well. Uh, I have some other guys on the team. I mean, you have Buck Williams on your team, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. I realized I did. I forgot Buck. Uh, I have Buck where I believe you have Duckworth, right? Uh, I still have Duckworth. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at my team right now. Uh, the other guy that I have that you don't have is Cliff Robinson. That's a good call. I mean, Cl- Cliff Robinson could ball. Like, and also too, I just want to say, uh, you know, we talk about a lot. Like, everyone talks now about like the new age of the NBA and all that stuff. Like, Cliff Robinson was like the first like stretch for you know, really the true, like the true definition of like what he's, he's like the perfect combo forward, small guy that could play up a position, but could shoot threes at that position. Like he could really, really ball. And I, I think it's, it's, he gets forgotten a lot and was a really key, key part of those teams uh, that, that went far and was on the Blazers for a, a good chunk of time after that. Like he didn't leave Portland until 1997. Like he was, yeah. you know, and, and made an all-star team when he was here, averaged 20 points a game three times when he was with the Blazers. Like Cliffy could play and also had like a really long career. Uh, at, and I think uh, uh, with other teams, obviously, but I think 
uh, deserves a little bit more recognition. I know he's getting a lot of recognition now as a as a ganjapreneur, but uh, he he. Uh, He's one of the all-time Blazers for me. And, too, like, if you're playing a game, like, he gives you some positional versatility that pretty much no other Blazers give you, really. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, I believe it was until his last season in the NBA. I think he played, like, 18 years. Um, But he he had the record for most consecutive seasons going to the playoffs. And he'd been on, at the end of his career, he kind of went to a few different teams. Um, But he was on all these different teams. And I don't remember the specific team, but he was on a terrible I want to say Golden State team or something like that right at the end. And uh, the team was was like very untalented. But for some reason, his presence on that team pushed them up a little bit. And they almost made the playoffs in the one year that he ended up not making it. And I believe it was his final season. But And I might be very mistaken on which team that was. But I do remember uh, seeing them at the end of the season make this weird playoff push uh, and think like, oh, wow, he's actually going to do it again. So it was a bizarre record, but uh, shout out Uncle Cliffy. Um, he, I, I will say, I he is recognized on this on this team um, for me another way. So we'll see. Okay, well it's it's okay, but it's okay that we disagree. It's, it's I'm glad that we have a disagreement. That's oh the point. Yeah. yes, I know exact. I just looked it up because you made me curious. It was the year that like Eric Musselman got like a lot of love. For, yes, it was. It was yes, like the, it, it was. was like the Eric Musselman like coach of the year buzz, like all this stuff, and like they missed the playoffs, but 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 Cliff Robinson was on that team. Yeah, you're right. He actually, um, looking it up right now, they acquired him at midseason that year, I believe. Um, yeah, no, no, no. That was his no. It was a, his first full year at Golden State. Then the next year they traded him. But, okay. Uh, yeah, no, uh, Cliffy Cliffy had a great career and was a great blazer. I, I just, you know, averaged 20 a game, like, again. And also just, like, the positional versatility thing for me is a big thing. Like, none of the guys— Specifically if we're talking about 2K a little bit. Yeah. You know, the guy was a small forward who also played center. If you can do that, that's a valuable piece. That's something that how many guys can do in the NBA that aren't actual small forwards? I mean, just rotating over a little bit. I mean, you could play a really cool small ball lineup with like Dame, Terry Porter, Clyde Drexler, Jerome, Cliff Robinson, and like you know, you know, yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. There you go. So you have Cliff at the Cliff at center or Jerome at center, and you just have two guys that can switch and do everything like. That, that would be a squad. I mean, the guy was 6'10 with super long arms and great at defense, and he could go out and guard. Like, in the modern NBA, that's a, that's a max player really early in his career, and he's incredibly valuable. He taught himself to shoot threes just because he was bored. You know, for whatever reason, the Blazers had a bunch of guys like that who could dominate inside but decided that they were going to go outside and shoot, and it worked. And Cliff was kind of the prototype for that that, you know, eventually turned into Rashid Wallace and Lamarcus Aldridge and, you know, Channing Fry, but we don't want to talk about him. So. Yeah, whatever. I mean, Chan- Channing Fry uh, did not have a great Blazers tenure. No. Though, though he loves Portland. Shout out to, <laughs> to, shout out to Channing Fry for that. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like I, Yeah, it's a good podcast. Um, and then, so we had another exercise that, that I, that Haven and I went under because, there are a lot of great Blazers that we all remember, and I didn't want to go, like, totally full ironic, like, guys that are, you know, I'm trying to make a team that could play. So Do you mean I wasn't supposed to draft Ha Sung Jin? No. Because 
Oh, oh okay. Hold on, really quick then. <laughs> yeah, you you gotta you gotta you gotta get rid of Ha. Sorry. Um, All right, as long as I can keep Steve Francis and Andrew Nicholson, because those are two Blazer legends that I that just cannot be tamed. Steve Francis and Andrew Nicholson. Andrew Nicholson, honorary Blazer. Uh, long live. But so I mean I I have a team uh that I want to share. Do you want to share your team first as, as the guest and then I will uh I mean I I have some of the guys that I left off on the other team that you had. Yeah, as do I. As do I. And, uh, and which is where I, which is what I meant when I talked about Uncle Cliffy cuz he is he is a starter on my team. Um and I actually started them at small forward to make the team kind of giant. Um so essentially uh, I went with Scotty Pippen at point guard, which I know we had talked about Scotty a little bit, but realistically, uh, with those Damon uh, 2000s teams, he was the point guard. Yeah, Damon was. was kind of the two guard, a 5'10 two guard. Um, I had Jim Paxson as the two guard, which is a, a deep old cut, but one of the most prolific Blazers of all time. No doubt. Um, I had Uncle Cliffy at small forward. Holding it down. Um, at power forward, I had Zebo, so I did throw him back on there. Um, and then at center, I have Duckworth. Okay. So that's my that's my starting five. Okay. So my starting five, I went more traditional positional assignments uh, than you did, which your yours is smarter because you're right that the Scottie Pippen Blazers version was more of like a caretaker. You know that the Blazers version of Scottie Pippen reminds me of like late career Jason Kidd a little bit where he was like like playing just a different position because he was so smart and so good like um and wasn't really he couldn't really do I mean he could still defend kind of and he would guard like Kobe and stuff like that but like it wasn't the same Pippen of old and he was really just a, a great offensive guy and point guard post up guy. Um, but anyway, without um, uh, going too far down the rabbit hole, uh, my starting five, I started Kenny Anderson at point guard, uh, former Blazer for like a season and a half, really. Uh, but had Mr. a Mr. Chibs appreciates you. Yeah, he had a great oh, he had a great run and he's a great Twitter personality. Not that that's what is the criteria here. But I thought that I thought that was the criteria because Joel Embiid uh, made the All Seventy Sixers team and he's played thirty eight games in the NBA. Yeah. Also, like I saw, like no offense to Drew Holiday, but like Drew Holiday is not an all time Seventy Sixer. Like they, and an all time Pelican, according to that that group. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna okay. st- I'm gonna stick with the historic teams on on this year's two K and maybe not go with the uh, the all timers. But anyway, Kenny Anderson at point guard. Uh, and all the things that you noted about CJ McCollum aside, I'm going to start CJ because this team needs some shooting at small forward, Scotty Pippen, then at power forward, Brian Grant. And we got a lot of hair in this front line, Brian Grant and at center. I'm starting Robin Lopez. Uh, I'm, I'm not mad at that. That's uh, that's solid. That I would actually be so intimidated from the other team trying to go inside against those two. You can't get any rebounds um, on that team. Well, I just like with all the concussions that would happen after I get thrown on the ground by Brian Grant and then stand back up and get confused because I see Robin Lopez fighting with a mascot. 
I'm like, I, I think that's pretty disorienting. That's a, that's a winning combination if I've ever heard one. Um, I didn't even consider Robin Lopez. That's, that's a good call though. Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, Rolo, dude, I mean, his, his arrival, it's kind of like the Buck Williams thing that I was just talking about. And I wasn't the first one to make that comparison. I believe when that season happened, I think, uh, Kerry Eggers made that comparison from the Portland Tribune that the Robin Lopez arrival kind of mirrored the Buck Williams arrival and, and Robin Lopez was great. I mean, they don't make the, they don't do, they don't make that leap. They don't have that moment. Dame doesn't have that shot if, if Robin Lopez isn't there. So, and LaMarcus doesn't have his best seasons as a blazer if he's not there. So, uh, Robin Lopez for me, uh, definitely important guy to have on the squad. I, you know, he wasn't here as long as guys like Joel Prisbilla, but he is ahead of them, ahead of him for me. He was just a better player. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Well, I have a, a backup squad as well. Okay. I, I, um, I have, I, I have six guys on the bench. I have an 11 guy. I have an 11 man squad. I have 12. Okay. I, I told I'll, you I'll, I was thinking, I'll, I was thinking I'll, about, I'll add a 12. I'll, I'll add a 12. Okay. So, I'll, I'll, um, I, I, I actually, I want to see, cause we talked about, <laughs> is this the chemist player? I, I did include I included okay. uh, a chemist slash a sort of mascotish chemist. Okay, I think we probably have the same back. guy, but go with your guys. Okay, well we definitely have the same chemist. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> for the for the backup, um, I have Rod Strickland. Um, I have CJ McCollum. Okay. Uh, which I I decided it is two K. I need a shooter. So you kind of got me on that one. Um, and then because it is 2K, I, I ignored a lot of my other previous inclinations that I mentioned before, and I went with Rudy. Because I don't know if any of you have played with Rudy Fernandez in, in 2K, but he's essentially Michael Jordan. Um, so He's kind of like the European J.R. Smith. He is, except if J.R. Smith was a wildly accurate shooter uh, when he <laughs> wasn't enjoying Hennessy. So uh, along the same lines, uh, I took yours uh in terms of uh power forward and i went with brian grant so the big hair on the backup um he's just a terrific person to have around and then center before i get to my two ir uh spots greg odin because this is still uh this is still 2k and potential wise sure we got 82 games out of him but he's arguably the second most talented i mean probably third if you count Sabonis, but third most talented center we've ever had in the blazers uh and the little bit of time we saw him and the lot of time i played 2k with him he just has to be on there he's stealing minutes from you know from walton on this team realistically oh wow i mean yeah yeah in 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 idealistic world Yes. Where the ideal versions of them were to exist, Greg Oden does have a great case to be on the team. Absolutely. Uh, um, my okay, so keep going. You still have a couple guys, oh, yeah. right? Okay, so the uh, so the the IR spot is what I called it, um, and I put Joel Frisbilla as as one of my guys, and then the chemist, which is just going to be the same as yours, is Pat Stacks. Yes. Patty. Okay, we have the same. Uh, we have the same the, final two guys. The the greatest chemist in NBA history. Uh, terrific human being, wildly entertaining. We didn't even like we knew he could play, but then when he got to San Antonio, I don't think a fan base has ever been so happy about losing a player and seeing them thrive as the Blazer fans are about Patty Mills. Still to this day, I can't root against that guy. It kills me uh, sometimes when he goes against teams I like, but I just you can't not like that guy. 
Or like when the Spurs do the thing where they start him and he scores like 30 and they Love win. That. And they win. I mean, he just does it. And, and it's like, how can I be mad? You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's Pat Stacks. So I have the same last two guys on the IR. I have Prisbilla and I have Patty Mills uh, rounding out. And then my backup five is not really position specific. I didn't really do that on this back end one. I have Batum off the bench. I have Steve Smith off the bench. Uh, Wesley Matthews, so I got a lot of shooters, uh, lots of offense off the bench, actually. <laughs> Pretty much every guy on this de- – well, Wesley can play defense. It's okay, Batum. Then I have Sidney Weeks and Jeff Petrie, guys that you had on the all-time team that I'm I'm not, I'm probably just being a little recency bias here and also, uh, you know, maybe a little 70s bias there. I think that's I think that's a fair thing to be. You know, we were both in our twenties. We did not we did not live through the seventies watching these Blazer teams. We know what we know from research and our parents and um, you know, hearing about it and watching it on YouTube and everything else. But, you know, we don't I've never seen Jim Paxson play. I I know, I know what I've heard. Um so, you know, I, I decided to put him on this list as my starter. Um but I don't know what he plays like. I was very close to starting Derek Anderson and Steve Smith. So, you know, that's recency bias for you. Yeah. Shout out to the 03 Blazers or the 2002 03 Blazers with Derek Anderson. Yeah. The man couldn't be stopped except by injury yeah. all the time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the autograph at uh, Lloyd Center, Derek Anderson. I know you're listening. Uh, thank you. I appreciated that. That dollar bill has still not been spent. I appreciate you forever. Yeah. Shout out to all the Blazers we didn't name. Uh, I don't know. Just any any shout outs you want to shout out before we wrap this up? Um, Walt the Wizard Williams, who I wanted absolutely to start on my team, despite only playing the Blazers for I think one season. Um, I, I love the Wizard. I love the, high the Wizard socks. was amazing. I wore high socks for five years of basketball because of that guy. If he had played, uh, if he had played in this era, his nickname would have been Walter the Creator. Because he dressed like with the high socks, you know, like Tyler. That's true. You know, that's a good, that's a good take actually. Um, Tyler owes Walt a lot of, a lot of credit. Um, Darius Miles from perfect score fame. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, he was, the the Blazers really got his film career started in the perfect score. (laughs) Uh, And a couple of just fun 2K guys that I considered very, very momentarily. Uh, Vaughn Wafer. Oh God! Uh, shout out Sean Hyken for that for that, for that idea, uh, and Fred Jones, who uh, Oregon Oregon legend, uh, short time Blazer, you know, all time all time favorite, just fantastic. Yeah, shout out to Steve Blake by the way, th- three time Blazer who didn't make the squads, but yeah, you know, shout out to Steve Blake anyway. Uh, unofficially, there was a Facebook group called. Uh, for when they were just likes, uh, they would be Steve Blake not being on the Blazers. I may or may not have started that group. <laughs> uh, uh, and it, if you look at it now, which I believe it still exists, uh, there is a video on there of some guy who did the uh, when amazing happens thing, but when Steve Blake happens, and it was when he airballed a shot that could have won a game instead of give the ball to Brandon Roy the way he should have done. Um, I'm not bitter about it at all at all. Well, dude, that, but that's, you know, Oh my God. Theory conspiracy time, conspiracy hat. What if Kobe got to him with the mama mentality, like early 
Cause like he loved Steve Blake, right? Like they, oh, yes. they had he's, they had Blake a kid. Is, is the only guy he's ever liked. Apparently, that's yeah. what he said, right? Yeah, and so they they had it's a kid. The they had a kid. What if Kobe put Steve Blake in the muse cage and <laughs> got and got and, and got him to sabotage that Blazers team uh, in that Rocket series, which they were completely overmatched. But still, if they make that shot, it's a different series. Oh yeah, um, that's an interesting theory. Uh, he did hate the Blazers a lot at that point. The qu- the question I have for that is: Did Ruben Patterson and Steve Blake ever overlap? Maybe, because maybe, maybe. I, I I don't feel know. like they might have. I feel if, like the oh five oh six maybe like like that, that seems that, like, that seems very the very dark time in Blazers history. <laughs> uh, I was thinking maybe if Ruben Patterson did, then uh, you know Kobe would have been so mad that he would have just like offered Steve Blake money early on and been <laughs> been like. If you do this, I will not only give you this money, but I'll get you a job on the Lakers whenever you want it. And then he managed to go get him, uh, you know, or he just captured him, brought him to the muse cage, like you suggested, and, uh, you know, just brainwashed him a little bit. We know you never shoot, but when it when it comes time, in the, in the la- in, on the biggest moment of the game, Steve, uh, you've got to connect Steve, like... with the dark side of the Muse cage <laughs> and, and, and not give the ball to B-Roy or Rudy Fernandez and just shoot it. Or, tra- I, the, or Travis Outlaw or anybody on the Blazers that was a big-time shooter for them in that season. The reason I don't like Steve Blake more than that shot is it, because it felt like Kobe did get him in the Muse cage and said, never take any shots or do fancy passes until the fourth quarter in close games. I, there were a couple seasons there where, you know, Nate McMillan wasn't coaching and his whole strategy was give the ball to Brandon Roy during the whole fourth quarter and let him create. And then there would be random moments where you would just hand the ball to Steve Blake and then he would throw the ball away. And yet he never went out of the game. I remember one time he dribbled the ball off the court, made a terrible pass out of bounds, came down, played terrible defense, got scored on. Uh, they called a timeout. He's still in the game, and he did the same thing again. What? Why is that guy in the game? He well, never did anything in the fourth quarter. The is, you don't need a point guard. You have Brandon Roy. Yeah, I mean, he was Steve Blake was a good player. I just want to say this: like, I, I, sure. I, I respect Steve Blake. He had a good, he had a very good career, and was like a very important player for a while, and and had a great career. Like, not, but I do have before we wrap up, just to conspiracy continues. Steve Blake. And Ruben Patterson were on the same Blazers team in the 2005-2006 season. I, I uh, think my theory might stand, stand there, strong, though, man. I, I, there we go. So, <laughs> so Kobe may have infiltrated the Blazers via Steve Blake. He really, really hated Ruben Patterson. So did the Blazer fans. But I think it's important to know that Kobe really hated him, which is why when you look up Kobe best best shots or best plays or whatever, uh, they just did one, I believe, NBA uh, Instagram did one the other day about for his birthday where they had his best play against every team and they happened to show him scoring like two or three game winning shots in the same game. You know who all of those were on? Ruben Patterson. Yeah. Uh, he really hated that guy for calling himself the Kobe stopper. So I think that uh, I think he had that extra motivation. So he might have just like purchased Steve Blake's home for him or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I, it's possible. I mean, he let him use his helicopter once. Like when he was on the Lakers and stuff, but yeah. So anyway, I, I think our theory holds up. Haven, any uh, last words before we wrap this up? 
uh, any parting shots and, and where can the people, where, where can the people find you, uh, on the internet? Uh, they can find me at, 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 uh, H Kaplan M. So just like the SAT prep company, I'm sure Eric will, will shout me out from time to time. I will. Um, I don't know if I have a specific, uh, shout out or anything. I do think that neither of us really talked about Bonzi Wells. Um, for some reason he is listed on the Memphis Grizzly one. Bonzi was a really good blazer. Um, didn't, didn't he have like 50 in a playoff game? He had 45, I think, in, yeah. uh, in that playoff, the playoff game against Dallas, I believe. But, he, you know, he was a great scorer. He was a guy who was so unheralded, um, except for when he came out of high school being the next Jordan. But after he got to the Blazers, um, you know, he, didn't, he was just kind of a role player and then built into this, like, terrific, terrific player. And his success actually made all Blazer fans love these role guys even more, thinking oh, this guy is going to develop into something amazing, which is why we started overhyping and overvaluing guys like, I don't know, Rudy Fernandez uh, and Travis Outlaw and so many other guys who were really not very good. Victor Kriapa. Uh, okay, well, tra- don't, l- don't lump in Victor Kriapa <laughs> with Travis Outlaw. Hey, man, Victor Kriapa could have been something. Uh, okay, he should have been Andre Karolenko. He just wasn't. Outlaw was something. He was like, you know, the, he I was know. Like the I'm saying guys he who... Was like the, he was a Mr. Fourth Quarter for like two years. That's a generous amount of time that you're giving him. Uh, I think that the development um, of Bonzi really did, though, make people think that, you know, all these guys that we're drafting, all these guys we're picking up, they could be something. And I, you know, I appreciate Bonzi Wells for that. And I watched a lot of Big Three for for him because, you know, I appreciate that guy. Big three championship this weekend. Yeah. Um, who, who you got? Uh, the team that hasn't lost yet. That, yeah. Okay. The, no, the, I, I'm, t- I'm, I don't know the name. It's like power. It's power or something like that. It's trilogy. I think trilogy is the team. I, right. I just watched it yesterday. Some, uh, some old stuff of it. Um, they have Al Harrington and Kenny Martin on the same team, which seems unfair, but Kenny Martin doesn't start. Cause I think he is actually very old which I didn't realize, but Al Harrington looks like he's still playing the NBA. Yeah. Al Harrington was like getting buckets until he left the league. Like, yeah, but I think he didn't, he, I think he won MVP. Oh, no, he did. no, no, or, oh, no, Richard no, Lewis Richard, did. Richard also Lewis. people actually think Richard Lewis could be in the NBA currently. Um, which uh, maybe he was injured or something that last year on Miami, but, uh, he was real bad. So I don't think, I think that might be a little bit of a, little hype and i also don't actually think al harrington can still play but the, the, actually the best team is the one the it's trilogy is the one with rashad mccants and kenya martin like rashad mccants is like the guy on that team yeah the the least liked uh former nba player in the last decade probably rashad mccants whatever i mean yeah, yeah. Uh, he is also he is the other guy on that team though yes all right haven thanks for joining me man it's fun talking and uh keep listening to locked on blazers part of the lockdown podcast network Subscribe, leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast place, and we'll catch you next week with another edition of Lockdown Blazers. Hope you enjoy this uh, quick check-in with CJ McCollum. We talk about a lot of random stuff and then also a little bit about the Blazers, the Allen Crab trade. But uh, hope you enjoy this bonus moment uh, from CJ McCollum. Until next week. You watch Power. Are you caught up? Last episode. I mean, game changing, life changing, crazy, crazy. But Tariq had it coming though, right? I mean, like, 
I mean, he was messing around. Tariq should have told his dad. He should have told his dad about the situation at hand. Should've. What do you think happens in the next episode? I got. I mean, this is this is. I know that it's summer. It's August, man. Like, I, uh, I could ask about the training. I can ask about all that I stuff. I think but, like, that Ghost and Tommy are going to get revenge, and, and Tariq's going to have to tell the whole story. They're also going to find out about. What's his name? Rotique? What's it? Right. The light-skinned guy who just left Tommy. Oh, Dre. Dre. So they got to find out that Dre set, Dre did set up that whole situation, so a lot's going to hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, we got the Jimenez, we got the Jimenez family, too. I mean, there's there's a whole lot going there's on. There's a lot of There's stuff a lot of loose ends. A lot of information going on right here. Do you think this should be the last season of Power? I do not think it should be the last okay. season. Okay. So you, you're pro, like, I all the crazy more. stuff that's been happening. Yeah, I want more. Okay. Do you watch Thrones? Dude, did you see that last episode? Oh my goodness. Yes. I watched it at like 2 in the morning. It was incredible. The dragon, the eyes came out. Do you think, do you think Jon Snow and Daenerys is going to happen? It is going to happen, but it's crazy because they're related. Right. They're, they're, co- they're, they're like cousins or something. You don't know it. Yeah. No birth certificates. Is other than those two shows, what are your two shows? In the summer? Like, because you have time to watch shows. Insecure. Stuff. Yes. Um, Team Issa, Team Lawrence. Changes Issa. <laughs> I like her. She's funny. I uh, know. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. Uh, Survivor's Remorse. Yes. Uh, Queen Sugar. I can't think of anything else. That's fine. Uh, obviously, you have been pro Carmelo. Uh, I'm going to ask you about it because my podcast, we, we've been talking about this for like two months, three months probably. Uh, any any messages you want to send to him? <laughs> uh, I've sent enough messages. I'll, I'll be in New York next week. <laughs> Did you, do you want like the NBA to like allow him to have a hoodie attachment? <laughs> Like he has some nice stuff, so I'm, I'm sure it could be arranged. I'm sure the uh, the warmups will have hoods for sure. Uh, I haven't talked to you since, but uh, obviously AC being gone. What do you guys miss with AC not being there? We miss a, a guy who can knock down shots, a guy who, who is essential for our offense, and I wish him nothing but the best in Brooklyn. But we got to move forward now and try to figure out ways to get better with what we have. Do you guys feel like with the seems like the narrative maybe has shifted a little bit. Do you guys feel more comfortable in, like, you know, maybe being a little underestimated this season? Yeah, absolutely. I'm comfortable with whatever the situation may be this year, whether they have us in their playoffs or not. That doesn't affect our mentality and our mindset. We, we know that we have to come out here and play at a high level. We know that we have to come out here and compete each night because the West just got that much better. And that, that means that there's less spots to get into the playoffs. Which is the team that, like, you know, a lot of teams in the West have gotten a lot better. Mm-hmm. What's, like, that one team that you, like, saw a movie and you're like, wow, like, they just did something big? They all got better. Uh, some teams got worse, but I just try to focus on us. I think that's the biggest thing. Don't worry about what's around you. Don't worry about distractions. Focus on you. 